0: My first phone was two tin cans tied together with string and it worked pretty good.
1: Hey, everybody. Hi. It is the Dark Corner Podcast, as I make a bunch of noise moving my computer. (laughs) Yeah,
0: way to go doing that after you've started the recording. Dave, have you learned nothing in the last ten years?
1: No, and that's exactly it. This is our tenth anniversary of podcasting. It is indeed. Our, uh, what, fourth doing this show? I don't know. Fifth? (laughs) I've lost... I think this is the start of year... Yeah, this would be the start of year five.
0: Year five.
1: So, yeah. And the anniversary didn't fall on 100 because that was a completion of a year. This is the start of a year.
0: Oh, yes. And
1: therefore, it is episode 101 that is the anniversary. Blah. So, shall we make this kind of a jumping on point? Uh, sure. For people? Well, first of of all, that quote we opened with was a quote by Dolly Parton, and... It ties into what the main topic of this show is going to be, the uh, the point, which is tin, because it's the... Tin. Tenth.
0: Say it right. Tin, tin. Not ten.
1: That's just a pronunciation localization tin. kind of thing. Tin. Tin. Yes, our topic is tin. Tin. I just said that. You're going to gaslight me. <laughs> tin. Thank you. It's like our own My Fair Lady here. Okay. <laughs> So, our episode is on tin, mm-hmm. tin, t- tin, as it is the 10th year anniversary. Also, aluminum, but I figure we'll have enough content to just do tin. Mm-hmm. So, we all started podcasting 10 years ago because of Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, well, y- yes and no.
1: That's the main reason, because of uh, you getting into Doctor Who.
0: Well, I was always into Doctor Who, yeah. but I was getting into the new series of right. Doctor Who. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts and finding a lot of them lacking, except for the Who cast, which uh, brought on this, uh, this brand new guy named Marty Parrott. And uh, he, uh, at the end of one episode one day, said, if you want to see me freaking out about Doing an episode would Follow me on Twitter So I started following him on Twitter And then we started talking And then uh, his uh, partner started following me And we started talking And they had a, a podcast called The Box Room Podcast
1: Yep, and, and they had a uh, little chat group online That you could join to And so we became friends with their friends mm-hmm. Which included Lee Medcalf of The Black Dog And that got us into Uh Encountering Darren Barnard, his best friend, and then Jim Moon later on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Colin, who uh, did the Ouroboros podcast and raw footage.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing that really tipped the balance. And I don't know if you remember this, but I do. In 2009, a little movie called Star Trek came out, which everybody really enjoyed, and I was resistant to seeing it. And so many people that I know and love said, oh, I really enjoyed it, you know, maybe give it a chance. And so I thought, okay, I'll give it a chance. And we went to see it on my birthday, and I hated it.
1: (laughs) Oh, you despised it. I hated
0: it so much. (laughs) And, And I really went in with an attitude of, I'm just going to let it happen and just, you know, not have any preconceived notions. Oh, no, this is terrible. This is terrible. Okay, now. I am not upset at the movie. Okay, it brought a lot of new fans into Star Trek, and I will never uh, disparage it for that. However, I did not enjoy the experience at all. Nope. And we sent in some feedback to the Boxer and Podcast, which was rather long.
1: And I think you actually got the prompt of, of not liking it, as to explain why.
0: Yes, yes. And so I, uh, I. Basically, they they said to us in the nicest way possible, it sounds like you guys have a lot to say about things. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have your own podcast. Yeah, because it
1: was 20 minutes long, and we were feeding back a lot. Yeah. And so it was like, uh, you could probably do this on your own. And we did.
0: We did. And in fact, they were our first feedbackers on the Inside Outcast all those years ago.
1: Yep, our first episode on the Muppets. hmm And, uh... We went on for about a year or so, and then we were making contact with friends of the box room, which in- included um, Matt Dre, which is your uh, your brother you never had. My little brother from another mother. <laughs> who was starting his own podcast with Mr. Tom Elliot, mm-hmm. which they called The Gentleman's Grindhouse, where the two of them would discuss alternating horror movies, uh, more recent and more classic.
0: Yeah, I think the cutoff was like 1975 or something like that, mm. where Matt was everything before that, and Tom was everything after that. Mm-hmm. And they actually, Matt actually took one of my suggestions because he was having trouble coming up with a movie uh, that he hadn't seen that was before 1975, and I recommended The Legend of Hell House. Yep. And uh, so uh, he he ended, they ended up covering that, which made me super happy because it's one of my favorite horror movies.
1: Yeah, and they were on this network called Geek Planet Online, and we were feeding back to that show, and it got us some notice, so we joined that network for a while, until that fizzled out when we uh, closed the doors, the pod bay doors, (laughs) on the Inside Outcast, and uh, Mr. Tom Elliott helped us to host the Dark Corner podcast, and here we are, uh, starting our fifth year, doing that.
0: It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but time gets wibbly wobbly the older you get.
1: And the show, you know, the format's pretty much as it's always been. We'll start with some banter, get into some news reviews, Mm. a dark track, maybe play something promotional for another podcast, get into the main topic, do some shout outs. (laughs) Uh, Talk to the cat. Talk to the cat. Uh, Do you want to say anything about yourself? As an introduction. Not really.
2: Mm.
1: Oh. Brandy has another podcast called Live from the Edge. It's a live podcast you can actually watch as it's recorded. And there's also a YouTube channel which you can watch.
0: Yeah, well, you should explain that it's a Star Trek podcast. I was about to get
1: into the depths of it. (laughs) Okay. Because it's on Trek FM, it is a Star Trek podcast in which Brandy and her co-host Bruce and a guest... Talk about the most recent episode of Star Trek Discovery. This happens a day after the Mm -hmm. show, you know, the episode of Discovery drops. So it's a reaction show.
0: Yeah. So it's not on when Discovery is not on.
1: Yep. So she's on hiatus right now, which is getting her a little buggy.
0: Yeah. Well, I miss, I miss talking to Bruce for one thing. (laughs) Because, you know, you talk to someone every week for 14, 15 weeks straight And, uh, you know, and we're good friends because Mm -hmm. the great thing about Bruce is that we had, it wasn't originally supposed to be Bruce. I should start with that. It was supposed to be Zach Moore, who is on the Standard Orbit podcast. And then a hurricane happened and uh, it affected both his home and business and he had to pull out. And so they were scrambling to find another co-host and they finally were able to get uh, Bruce on board. And we did a test live podcast
1: uh-huh
0: which was i can't remember exactly it was it was actually about the premiere of the orville oh we talked about that and which was it was just a test to make sure everything worked everyone could get online and that it would uh, broadcast and bruce and i had never talked or met before this podcast and it was just like it was yeah, just instant chemistry instant click just one of those situations we both have improv 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 improv, improv. Experience. improv. we both have improv tanning. so uh, <laughs> but he's just he's just a great dude he's great and he has a, a podcast another podcast called literary Treks with dan gunther also on trek fm where they talk about the books and comics of trek
1: yeah and uh, speaking of Star Trek and Discovery and being a podcaster and everything and X coming, you're going to be on a panel discussing Star Trek and diversity.
0: Yes, because uh, Star Trek has always, okay, almost always been a pioneer in casting on their shows. Uh, because the original series had the first black woman on a television series with Nichelle Nichols. Oh, yeah. Uh, who wanted to quit after season one, and Martin Luther King Jr. would not let her. Nope. <laughs> her <said laughs> no
1: you're on television on the bridge of a ship, and you're not a maid? Mm-hmm. You're not the help? Yeah. You need, you need to be yep. there. And now we have, you know, a, a black woman as first officer as the main character of a series.
0: Yeah, well, and that's another thing that uh, Discovery pioneered, is that the main character is not a captain. Right. It's always been the captain of whatever, you know, Kirk, Picard, Sisko. Technically, Sisko was a commander when he started, but he really should have been a captain. What what was up with that? Yeah. Should have been promoted to captain before taking control of Deep Space Nine, for heaven's sake. Mm -hmm. You know, Janeway, Archer, all of those were captains. They were always the first build, but Discovery's like, nah, doesn't have to be a man, doesn't have to be a captain. And uh, it's it's great in that respect. But yeah, we're talking about all the different uh, series. We're not counting the animated series because that is part of the original series. So yeah, plus we only have fifty minutes, and Discovery will probably take half of that because <laughs> there's it's just oozing diversity out oh, of yeah. every crack.
1: A lot of diversity in the series. Uh-huh. I am DJ Evil Dave. I produce the podcast, I do the editing, I do the uploading, and show notes and all that stuff. I do sound and lighting at the Ogden Comedy Loft every Saturday night, where they do improv. Well, sometimes I don't go because of something like X or illness, or other plans, but I'm usually a regular there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm there for the workshops, and for... The early show, and if they have a late show, I'm there as well on Saturday nights. And every once in a while, I'll do some improv as well. I'm a dungeon master. Yes, you are. (laughs) And play most Wednesdays. And I do some music review as a critic. Though usually in podcast form, I used to write music reviews, but I don't generally do that anymore. Hmm. We're both in Utah. Mm-hmm. I am definitely a self-confessed goth and rivet head. Mm-hmm. Brandy's very much so as well, but mostly symphonic metal. Yeah. And some uh, some emo.
0: A bit. A bit. A bit.
1: Yeah, My Chemical Romance, which is kind of one of those on-the-fence kind of <laughs>
0: bands. Yeah, I don't I don't care about yeah. genres, per se. Yeah, I just like what I like.
1: I think I think you approach your enjoyment of music as artists approach, approach music, mm. which is less about the label and more about the product. Agree. So, yeah, while I'm very much in the critic mindset of, okay, this is a specific genre and how does it relate to that genre and how does it stray from that genre?
0: Yeah, and see, I don't like to put things in boxes like that.
1: Nope. Well, that's my bread and butter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we... Both took Myers-Briggs, and I'm an INTJ. She's an INFJ, so she is the feeling type. I'm the thinking type, and you'll see that in our podcast often. I'm so
0: feeling, guys. I feel everything all the time, and there is no off switch.
1: Yeah, well, I'm just constantly planning and organizing and constructing in my brain.
0: That's why he has a a, a goatee and uh, mm-hmm. calls himself Evil Dave.
1: Yeah, and I have a cat on my foot right now.
0: Yes, he mm. is your he's your uh, evil henchman.
1: Yeah, he's he lays on my foot for some reason.
0: He doesn't do that with me, and I have never in my life seen a cat do this. Yeah. Not that I've owned it's or a that you've owned.
1: Very puppy thing to do.
0: It is. That's why I call him a puppy when he's doing that. Oh, he was loving that. You were getting his third eye. Oh.
1: We live in Ogden, Utah. Yeah. Uh, in Utah, there's a lot of outdoorsy stuff you can do, which none mm. of us do.
0: No, we're not outdoorsy people. Yeah, we're
1: indoor kids. Oh, yes. So video gaming, uh, yep. we enjoy movies. In I fact, do not like the sun. You. Yeah, that's true. You're very fair, for mm. one thing. Yeah. And it's very hot right now, too. Yeah. It's the tail end of summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, you recently got us this movie pass thing, so we've been going to the movies more often.
0: Yes, which I am really enjoying.
1: And now that we have our own comics convention that occupies our time, in fact, the next episode will be our report from the X fall of 2019.
0: I love how you say now that we have our own comic convention. It's six years old. Yep. (laughs) It's six years old. And we've been there each time, and
1: we've reported from it each time, so that's to be expected. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get around to 10 at the 10 at the end (laughs) of this show. (laughs) I didn't even
0: do anything. I didn't look at you, nothing. You can hear it
1: in the silence. Oh,
0: for fuck's sake. I swear a lot.
1: Hello, darkness, my old friend. Okay, um... I think that's enough for getting to know yous. Oh, yeah, we've been married for 22 years now? It'll be 22 years on October 11th. Yeah, so just not that far away, mm. really. So, yeah.
0: Yes, and for anyone wondering, no, we were not teenagers when we got married.
1: Nope, I am an elder goth. I'm not quite 50, but I'm getting there.
0: You're 47. <laughs> You act like you're almost like going to turn 50 tomorrow and you're not.
1: Well, tomorrow in 3 years. Yeah, okay. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think
1: that covers it, right? Oh, yeah, you collect comic books.
0: I collect a lot of things. You're a That's big part of my problem.
1: Marvel fan. We love the Marvel movies. We love the uh, DC TV stuff.
0: Mhm. I'm really enjoying the stuff that they're putting out exclusively on the DC Universe channel.
1: Oh, nice!
0: Because uh, you know, oh yeah, Swamp Doom Thing Patrol, that they canceled.
1: Uh, Titans is coming back.
0: Yeah, Titans will be back sometime. Yeah, I haven't even started Young Justice. There's like a crapload of episodes of oh, that. Wow, that's animated. Yeah, um, they, they're they're also getting Batman Beyond on there, so that makes me happy that those episodes will be accessible as well. And uh, yeah, I, I it's not that I don't like the DC universe. I just haven't been blown away by any of the movies. I really enjoyed Aquaman, though. I will say that, and I enjoyed Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, uh, Aquaman's just a ton of fun.
0: It, it's a big dumb movie, and that's yeah. fine. And
1: if you watch it with that mindset, it's it's a blast. It's it's good times. Yeah. It's like watching a classic four color comic book. Yep, and, and could you ask for any more from a comic book movie? Really,
0: it really just. You know, I'm glad that they didn't try to make it too serious. And it had a lot of color in it, which Mm -hmm. was a nice switch as well.
1: Yeah, it wasn't all grayed out and browned out.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, shall we get into it? Okay. News and Reviews. News and Reviews. Where do you want to begin?
0: Well, let's begin with your computer.
1: Oh, my computer? I... Was trying to... Oh, the cat's reaching for my loves. Yep. (laughs) Looking up at me with his paw hooked in my leg. Okay, so uh, I was trying to back up my hard drive onto another hard drive because our uh, time machine doesn't work anymore, whatever you want to call that. Thing.
0: Our our uh, time capsule.
1: Time capsule, that's what it is. It hasn't worked for a year now.
0: Yeah, it just stopped working when they went to this new OS, mm-hmm. and there is no fix for it that I have found.
1: Yep. So, uh, Brandy was kind enough to go get me another hard drive, and in attempting to transfer information from one to the other... I had a whole bunch of problems. Uh The drive would suddenly unmount, and I'd try to remount it again, and somewhere along the line, it converted everything on my original hard drive to this file called Container2 Invert, which is a text edit file that was inaccessible to me no matter what we tried to do. We even went to the Geek Squad to try this out. So I pretty much lost a lot of my music and a lot of the D&D stuff and various other files. Luckily, I had this whole lot more saved because I'm lazy and I didn't clear out my downloads.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: we got a more trustworthy hard drive because the hard drive that we got was faulty to begin with.
0: Yeah, he uh, the... the... White shirt at the Geek Squad. You know you're you're dealing with someone higher up when you've got a white shirt.
1: Oh yeah, that's like management level people. Yeah,
0: he said that it was probably the motor, but when he had plugged it in, there were over 900 uncorrectable errors. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like
1: he rarely saw that at something that was bought new.
0: Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. Um, we had already had a problem that almost nobody had ever seen. And then we had another problem mm-hmm. almost nobody had ever seen. And people never believe me when I say, no, weird stuff happens to me that doesn't happen to anyone else.
1: Exactly.
0: And, in fact, yesterday when I was having lunch with my coworkers, Melanie said, yeah, I used to think that you were just kidding. And then I actually witnessed it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, she wasn't joking.
1: Yeah. Uh, the White Shirt recommended getting this Western Digital hard drive, and it's called My Passport. It's a uh, four terabyte, and it's working smoothingly. In fact, it updates itself. Yeah. So it finds new software to install to make it run better. And it's working like a charm. I'm slowly rebuilding my music library. I've already got my promotional songs, which are what I pull from to play the dark track of the fortnight i've already got that close to a thousand songs so it used to be well over eight thousand <laughs> but i've just really barely started mm-hmm. so i'm gonna find a lot of the promotional stuff that i've been uh, granted by uh, record companies and artists and can slowly piece that back together and i'll be working on the D stuff as well and fortunately the stuff for the podcast are still on there, and I've archived our episodes, including the Inside Outcast, on a thumbnail, like, thumb drive that I still have, so that's all safe, too.
2: Yeah.
0: I um. feel like we should have, like, a bunch of USB drives, smaller ones, where you can divvy up all of the stuff that's actually on the bigger one. uh uh-huh. So that if there's ever another catastrophic failure, you don't lose everything. Yeah. Like, this one's just for your D&D stuff, and this mm-hmm. one's just for this. Yeah. <laughs> All the music still has to go on the big one, though, because we yeah. don't have room on anything else.
1: Well, I'm thinking with my original one, if I can erase it, reformat it, and use that as a backup again. Yeah. Because that uh, container to invert, it's not going to work. I've tried enough times and had it fail each time, so it's pretty much useless now. What's really great is I have an old hard drive that had music up to December 2012, Mm -hmm. I was able to save a lot that way, because otherwise I'd have to get a disk drive and just burn all my old CDs.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. Why don't laptops have disk drives anymore? What the hell is up with that? Well,
1: nobody buys disks anymore.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing, though. There are Mm disks out there. There are Blu-ray disks and DVD disks and still music disks. Yep. People still have CDs, and how else are they going to get them into iTunes? Come on. Right.
1: But I was fortunate in that respect, as I didn't buy a whole lot of CDs after 2012. True it was that. mostly downloadable music, and a lot of that I got through Amazon, which I can re-download, too, so I'll have to look into that.
0: Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, remembering uh, what yeah. it is
1: the Apple iTunes stuff, I'm not sure how to get anything I purchased off that because of just not remembering my old uh, ID, and that's a problem. Mm. You know, your Apple ID, trying to get older albums, because I have a really great cover album I like that I might just have to repurchase.
0: No, don't go there yet. Yeah. Because I think for a while we were using the same Apple ID.
1: Oh okay.
0: and so it might be something that's on mine.
1: Huh. Interesting. Anyhow, that's uh that's the state of things right now. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's been it was a week of hell, let me tell you. Yeah, I've ha- over a week of hell.
1: Had to rebuild the uh sound cues for the comedy loft as well.
0: And just the amount of time spent on this. Yeah,
1: I pretty much spent all of yesterday uh doing music and Trying to get rid of duplicate songs that are now on there because of files downloading in two different ways.
0: Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of trying to, having to explain the problem over oh, yeah. and over again to different people at the Geek Squad.
1: And sitting there for something they can't help with anyway. So, but I'm refusing to feel guilt or blame or anything. This is just something that happened, and there are far worse things that could happen. Absolutely. So. I'm just looking forward instead of back now.
0: Sometimes shit happens.
1: Yep. Uh. Anyhow, that's the news with that regard. Shall we get into some reviews? Yer. Because I think we already talked about Fanex coming. Yer. Um, where do you want to begin with reviews?
0: 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee.
1: Uh, it's been a while since we did a theater review.
0: Yeah. it's an, It's a musical, obviously, and it's a show that I had zero familiarity with. I knew nothing about it, and I didn't want to know anything about it because sometimes you get preconceived notions. I didn't right. want to know the story. I just wanted to experience it. And my other little brother from another mother, Aaron, uh, he is, he, he was, last night was closing night for him uh, in this show. I knew which character he was playing but had no idea where he fell in the hierarchy of the story. Turns out he was the fucking main character. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's like, Jesus. Okay. Way to go, buddy. But uh, it was an absolute delight. This show was one of the best I have ever seen, and that includes professional shows. hmm It was that level of well done.
1: It was super good.
0: It was amazing. The cast was amazing. The... Just everybody was amazing, and I didn't realize there was going to be audience participation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they pull um, certain people out of the audience. Uh, usually it's either family or uh, major donors to the theater. Mm-hmm. They'll bring them up to family, be... Family, friends, etc. Yeah, part of the spelling bee contestants.
0: And they'll, they'll often give them words that are either, either really super easy or that don't exist. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter, like obviously if it's a really easy word, you know how to spell it. And if it's something that you don't know how to spell, it doesn't matter how you spell it, they'll say it's right. You're right. So but uh, you know there's because Barfy has Barfy is Aaron's character and um it's pronounced Barfay. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. It's Barfay. Yeah. And uh he he has a fake mom, which I'm it was stepmom, and a real mom. And I got to be real mom. Yeah. <laughs> so there is that uh it's it's kind of funny because he and i have known each other gosh it's been five years now it was about five years ago a little before this yeah you were in trek together we were in trek together and uh rehearsals for that i believe started in august of 2014 so yeah but uh that's how we met and i didn't you know he's like we'll stay in touch and i'm like yeah Sure, we'll stay in touch and never believing we'd actually stay in touch. Right, But no, we're tight. We're like brother and sister. I mean, he has a sister. I'm not saying he doesn't have family, but we are just, uh, we are very much alike in the way we think and the way we view the world. So it was just, it was glorious to watch him do that role. He was so fantastic. And I was just so proud of him. So, so proud of him. And it's. I'm not even going to talk about the show other than what I've already said, because if you haven't seen it, just see it. If you have the chance to see it, just see it. Don't read up about it beforehand. Just go see it, because it is wonderful. It made me laugh a lot, and it even made me cry.
1: The Vice Principal is so damn funny.
0: Oh, he's the best!
1: And He was
0: so snarky, and I loved it!
1: Each of the main cast children characters you know the contestants each of them has a really interesting story mm-hmm. to follow yeah and they're very different characters and so it's a nice little look at uh, at childhood especially in a competitive environment
0: yeah it's a it's really a lot about parents copying and pasting their ex- expectations onto their children mm-hmm. and that is something you should never do let your child be what your child wants to be and uh don't force them into things don't make them take violin lessons cuz you wanted to take violin lessons violin lessons and you couldn't that's not fair
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not about you anymore
1: and being a dj playing music before shows i recognized what the their the theme pre-show mm-hmm. music was they were playing songs with spelling in them yep like r e s p c t and
0: i know what it means to me
1: yeah just all kinds of songs where they'd spell out words yeah. even mother mhm they played
0: yeah it's uh it was it's delightful it was
1: a great delightful uh, heartwarming and sometimes funny sometimes sad show with some great music
0: yeah and it was our first time going to the Centerpoint Theater because it's it's in Centerville Utah which is where i grew up uh-huh well, i grew up half there and half salt lake i'm not going to explain that <laughs> uh, but the center point was built long after we were married and uh moved to Ogden. So well I moved to Ogden you were already here. Oh yeah. But uh, it's a it's a really <laughs> nice theater. Really really nice. I was uh, very much impressed by everything. Definitely what you wouldn't think of when I say community theater. It's amazing. It's not something that was converted from another structure. It was built specifically to be a theater. And it has, you know, under the main floor, it has rehearsal halls. And it has a smaller theater as well, like a black box type theater. And it's just, it's a wonderful place. It really is. Yeah,
1: it could use larger seats, but other than that, it's beautiful. Honey,
0: the seats were bigger than the ones at Eccles. Uh Uh-huh. And also there was more leg room than there was at Eccles. Yeah, that's
1: true. People can actually cross in front of you without having you have to stand up.
0: Yeah. And Eccles is like the biggest theater in this state. Yeah. So they got one up on them uh-huh. where the actual leg room is concerned. And the, and I found the armrests more comfortable as well. I, I wasn't as bothered by them as I was by the ones at Eccles. Oh, good. A uh, Glow. We watched season three of we Glow. We watched
1: three, season three of Glow. Um, less wrestling in this one. And more about their personal stories, which I think is the trend they're going towards. Because the first one had a lot of wrestling in it.
0: Well, yeah, because they were all learning how yep. to wrestle. And that actually was echoing what the women, what the actors were going through. Because most of them had to learn how to wrestle. Indeed. So it's it kind of mirrors that.
1: Yeah, uh, they're in Vegas uh, doing a show, the same show. You know, most nights. <laughs>
0: I don't know that they do it nightly. Yeah, it might be a I weekend only thing. I think it's like once thing. a week. Yeah. I could be wrong. But, uh, you know, when you basically live in a hotel for a year, it's, things start to look the same over and over again. You don't know what month it is.
1: Well, it's interesting that they're getting into more of the social things around the 80s. Yes. Like HIV and the AIDS virus and all that. And... uh what else would you like to say about it?
0: Uh, there were boobs again.
1: <laughs> yeah, quite quite a few boobs.
0: We got to see some titties. Yeah. I actually really hate that word. Yeah, I don't. I just I don't know why I don't like it. Bosoms. Just, yeah, dirty pillows. Dirty pillows. I like dirty pillows. That's fun. And uh, yeah, I I I really enjoyed this season. And but there were times where. And, and it wasn't, I wasn't upset at the show, but I would just be upset with the character going, what are you doing? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah. But, you know, that's okay. It's it's kind of like a, a an all-female story.
1: It was a good arc for Sheila. Oh, I think yeah. she really shone through. And I think other, you know, viewers and even people in the show are saying, yeah, she's an amazing actress. And to get her out of the wolf girl of persona and see Sheila. hmm very fascinating, and uh, she really broke through in this season.
0: Yes, she did, and I just I just enjoy the show. Yeah, I enjoy seeing so many women mm-hmm. on it. I I enjoyed what wrestling we did get when they do a yeah. version of the Christmas Carol.
1: Yeah, that was fun, and also the episode where they swapped uh, swapped at- roles, yeah. roles and. That brought up its own issues regarding race and stuff. Is like when you have somebody not of that race playing that race. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole thing about blackface and why it's wrong is that it's offensive not only just because just at the face value it is, but that you get to pretend to be a certain race for a little while and then wash your face off and then you're white again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not the the burden of institutionalized racism It's just putting on a costume and then taking it off again.
0: Yeah, which really, you know, they might say that they're paying an homage, but it's not... It doesn't look like that. It looks like you're making fun. Yeah. It looks like you're denigrating. Yep. So, yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, Same thing with appropriation is that when white people appropriate the culture of minorities... It's a way for them to make money off of it. Yep. And money that should go to the originators of that culture. And when uh, Taylor Swift was appropriating Black Twitter kind of uh, culture, the whole thing about squad and squad goals, that was Mm. a Black Twitter thing way before.
0: Oh, and I, I hate it now.
1: Yeah, and then she appropriated it and became her thing. Like when she tried to, what, copyright 1984? 73 seven, three, something I can't remember. I don't know 1987 or
0: 1989 yeah, I can't remember
1: Yeah some year I don't
0: care because I hate Taylor Swift. Yeah. I think she is a fraud. Mhm. And it makes me sick that all of these people just are so blind to it.
1: Yeah, I think people are starting to see through her.
0: Yeah, I just uh, I and I Everybody's like, oh, you, everybody likes at least, at least one Taylor Swift song. No, no, <laughs> not everybody. I like yeah. zero of her songs. The only song that I like of hers is actually not even hers. It's a parody of her song. Oh, yeah. By Weird Al. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I just, she is a master manipulator, that one. Yeah. She's an absolute master at it.
1: I think that's all I have to really just say about Glow. I'm interested to see what they do with the fourth series.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there will be one.
1: Because, yeah, there's this concept that they might get their own television station. So, we'll yep. have to see.
0: We will have to see.
1: Sh- Woo Assassins!
0: Woo Assassins! Is
1: a Netflix limited series about Taoism and Five Element Theory. And uh, people who abuse the Five Elements who are called Wu. And uh, the assassin that is sent to kill them. A lot of great martial arts sequences. So
0: much. Oh, my God.
1: Super talented, mostly Asian cast. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have one Canadian lady as a cop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who was a nice addition, too, because she had some decent fighting skills as well. And pretty good actress on top of that. Agree. Or actor, because we don't have to gender identify actors. Yes. Went kind of fast and loose with the five element theory. Which it's is not fine. the way I've studied it. And I've been studying Taoism for, holy crap, over 20 years?
0: <laughs> yes, well, it also uh, deals with non-real things like someone mm-hmm. actually being able to wield the power of earth or water yep. or fire or...
1: Oh, it's interesting, the Earth Wu is the guy from that played the uh, scientist in... The uh, a swamp thing. Yeah. He's creepy and does creepy really well. But it was interesting to see him as this well-put-together scientist and then to see him kind of in this hillbilly role in Oregon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the backwoods of Oregon. Yep. As this earth woo. But he's still intelligent because he was trying to find somebody to take over for him. You messing with his paws? Maybe. Yep. <laughs> Stuff like, um, like the... Metal Wu being able to do lightning powers when lightning's actually a wood power. Mm-hmm. But it's all related anyway because that's the way Taoism is. Each of them holds the seed to the other and they all interact in this grand circle and each overwhelm or support or deplete one another. So, yeah. Yeah, fire, water, wood, earth, metal.
0: But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It I did, had no idea what direction it was gonna go.
1: No, it had some surprises, and Mark de Cascos as the embodiment of the Wu Assassin, this monk, that he'd appear as the Wu Assassin would appear as because he was given all the power of these thousand monks.
0: Well, and uh, the main bad guy was also one of those previous Wu Assassins mm-hmm. who. ...was uh, overcome with grief at the loss of his family at the hands of the Waterwoo ...and decided that uh, he was just going to do everything he could to resurrect them.
1: Yeah, that was his whole thing, is getting into the Tao to revisit and resurrect his family. Which didn't turn out that well for him, we did
0: it? Nope, sure didn't. And that's usually how it goes. It's like, don't mess with the natural flow of time.
1: Uh, the special effects are limited by budget... But if you just embrace that, you can have good cheesy fun. But the fight sequences are like Hong Kong level. Really it's well done. So
0: good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. And well, they will probably be a season two because they did end on a cliffhanger. Nice. And it's uh, a lot in San Francisco, which makes me happy because yeah, I there. like San Francisco. Yeah. I've been there a few times. Walked across the bridge. I have walked across the bridge. I couldn't look up when I was walking across the bridge or I would have fallen over.
1: Isn't this the requisite time when you say that the, uh, the paint of the Golden Gate Bridge is a specific construction orange? Mm. <laughs> And that it looks so beautiful, they just left it that way?
0: Yeah, but the thing is, it's been repainted many times. Yeah, but the, I
1: think the, they stick to that color.
0: Yeah, no. Oh, really? Because uh, when I walked across it, it was gray.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because mm. you think gray would fade against the sky and the sea.
0: Well, it may have just been primer.
1: Oh, could it, be. It
0: would not be um, a quick process to Yeah, if they were
1: repainting, page. I could see them putting a gray primer down before like yeah. an orange over it. Yep. Or red.
0: But I uh I did see parts of San Francisco that I recognized and it made me happy.
1: Yeah? Uh we dipped into Dark Crystal?
0: Yes, we did. We're two episodes in.
1: There's still this kind of uncanny valley regarding the Gelflings. Don't care. I love it. <laughs> uh but it, fantastic art design and the voice actors they got on here are it's just star-studded. Uh-huh. Mark Hamill being one of them. Yep. Eddie Izard being another. Simon Pigg. Mark Strong.
0: Mark Strong. Jason Isaacs. Shazad Latif. Um, Alicia Vikander, um, I, I have uh, forgotten. Uh, Sigourney Weaver. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lena Heady, uh Natalie Dormer. <laughs> yeah, it just goes um, on and on
1: and on. A lot of Game of Thrones people.
0: Lot, a lot of Game of Thrones people. There's at least three that I'm aware of. Yeah. At least three Game of Thrones people. Couple of Star Trek people because Jason Isaacs has been on Star Trek Discovery with Shazad Latif. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of. Uh...
1: Yeah, we both noticed a lot of Skyrim in it.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, Dark Crystal—the movie came before yeah. Skyrim was even a uh, you know possibility.
1: But the library looking like that a weird realm where all the books are. Yeah,
0: Hermeas Moro's realm. Yeah. yeah, especially when well, you know the scene.
1: Yeah, and the, the railings b- look very similar and. The but you know, towers of books.
0: It doesn't, that doesn't bother me because, you know, sometimes things just look a certain way and you matrix in your mind that it's similar to something else. Yeah. So it, I don't, I'm not talking about any kind of infringement or anything like that. Yeah. But not the
1: Skeksi's design is superb.
0: Yeah, well, and there is so much actual puppetry, which I'm really pleased Mm -hmm. about, because honestly, if they'd gone all digital, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be right.
1: Yeah, even some of the smaller creatures you can tell are like just glove puppets. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I love every second of it. Mm -hmm. I love actual puppetry. It is a skill that is very difficult to pull off properly.
1: And I think our favorite characters are on a road trip together. Yep. Because I like this podling wannabe paladin.
0: Pug, yeah, yeah, and uh, and I love Deet.
1: Yep, there's Ooh. a underground gelfling that's gone up to uh, find out what's affecting the creatures of the under earth.
0: Yeah, and the uh, the underground city did remind me of Blackreach and Skyrim.
1: <laughs> yeah, even with just all the glowing lichen and stuff,
0: just a bit. Yeah, not not completely. But so, our
1: directions is incredible. The oh my God, casting yes. is incredible. Oh yes. music. Yes, And all of set it. direction. It's just beautiful to observe. And it, it a is. lot of intrigue and stuff. So anybody who might have been disappointed with the final season of Game of Thrones, I think you might find that satisfaction here for a somewhat more family-friendly, though it is intense. There is some intense there's stuff. There is some scary, scary stuff on here that might not be appropriate for the younger, younger children.
0: I would say eight and up.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, think too young and they might not understand or...
0: Yeah, I think I think someone eight or up would be good for this, and even if they don't understand the intrigue and stuff like that, they would still just be mesmerized by the beauty of Mm it—the sheer visual beauty of
1: it—and how unlike, you know, computer graphics, these are actual three D objects on screen. You know, it makes a difference. They have texture. They have—I mean, I wouldn't say they have weight because you're doing with pup tree, but they have managed to do stuff like walking, Mm -hmm. putting on shoes. These things that in puppetry are difficult, but they've gone around in a way to, through editing, suggest that they're unattached.
0: Well, yeah, and the, the Skeksis, of course, are human-sized, well, larger-than-human-sized puppets, because yeah. they walk around. You know, there's a human in there.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you can see eyes and stuff, but usually they're the glass eyes.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It's... Absolutely visually stunning, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying watching it. It's a prequel, guys. It's a prequel. Yeah. I'm not sure how long before the actual Dark Crystal movie this is, mm. but uh, it, this is a prequel. So, yep. And, you know, usually I'm not down with prequels, but it's enriching this world so much mm-hmm. that I am just totally on board.
1: And I would be fine if they just took the film and extended it to make it a series. That would work for me as well. Yeah just to build on it and tell the story they wanted to tell all along
0: it's like do this have the movie now this is what happens after the movie
1: (laughs) and there's a little bit of uh what jim henson wanted which was them to speak their own language and not even bother putting any um subtitles subtitles, Mm -hmm. and you just understand through visual storytelling what they're talking about they do that with the podlings. They
0: do, and I love it.
1: Yep, as they I speak their it. own language, and every once in a while they'll say something in standard or common or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think that's it for reviews, right?
0: Uh, let me see. Yep.
1: Okay. Dark track of the Fortnite. Yeah. Spectra is a band from Santiago de Chile, and they perform pretty much straight-up gothic rock. Uh, The band members are Natha on vocals and bass, and Never on guitars. The song we have for you to play, and we'll discuss afterwards, is Fleshless. So this is Fleshless by Sweet Spectra. No, listening through my computer speakers isn't the best way to uh, do this.
0: Yeah, the the funny thing is, it made it sound tinny. Yeah, that's why (laughs) I chose it, is
1: for this podcast and our topic is because of the feedback in the guitar especially. Yeah. There's a very tinny quality to the guitar, and I thought that was as good a reason as any to include include it in this episode. Absolutely. This is one of the albums I lost. Thankfully, it's something I can re-download off the interwebs, but I had saved this song on my desktop because I knew it was going to be the future dark track and just makes it easier to port over into Audacity if I have it on my desktop. Very lo-fi, especially in the vocals because there's a lot of reverb and her voice kind of gets lost. I think she's singing in Spanish.
0: (laughs) Probably, but I could not tell. I could not discern any
1: words. It's a short song. It's one of those three-minute deals, it seems.
0: Doesn't overstay say it's welcome.
1: Yeah, but I think the main draw of that, other than just the lo-fi reverb of it, is the feedback through the lead guitar Mm -hmm. to give it that tinny, tinny sound. So yeah, that is Sweet Spectra, and I got that off the uh, Hispano-Latino-Gothic rock compilation that has about th- 33 bands on it wow that i'll have to re-download from Bandcamp in the future it's one of those name your price kind of things so i treat that as a promotional album here's to the finest crew in starfleet engage captain john lucard the uxn commander benjamin cisco the federation starbase deep space Nine.
2: Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. And we are having bad days, both of us. (laughs) Bad days, bad couple of days. Yeah. Things aren't great for us right now, but uh, one thing that I learned again today is the healing power of making this show. I, I stepped up to the mic and I was like, I'm too cranky for this shit. <laughs> it's not going to work this time, but it works every time. Yeah, I always am in a better mood after a recording sesh than I was before. Mm-hmm. And uh, there might I mean, I don't know. Sometimes getting drunk has the opposite effect, though. And this is a drunk episode. We did, we did land on a Quark's bar. It's true. The last time we rolled the dice... Terms of the Quark's bar are pretty clear. Uh, It's not a, like, drinking contest or, like, century club situation. It's like two guys at a bar, two guys at an open bar, Yeah, maybe I should say, Uh, (laughs) just talking about an episode of Deep Space Nine. I think think you make a great point, and uh, it makes me want to break out in song, to be quite frank. (laughs) Making pot about Star Trek today is sometimes less than great. The game of buttholes, will of the prophet, deals cruel twists of fate. (coughs) Wouldn't you like to drink some beer? (laughs) Sometimes you want to go where every Shimoda is drunk. (laughs) And your friend can take a dunk. (laughs) You want to have bad bit moments with friends who've done the same. And talk like Kern without feeling insane. You want to go where friends of DeSoto are more than just Adam and Ben. You want to do a soda of Greatest Gen. <laughs> Alright, I don't, I don't have a second verse written.
1: <laughs> Alright, want to get into this? Whole thing on tin. Yep, you've got a cat on you. I do have a cat on me.
0: He's got to be on your lap. And he's enjoying the chest rubs. I've never seen a cat enjoy chest rubs like he does.
1: So, from the first bit of the Wikipedia entry tin is a chemical element with the symbol SN from Latin stannum and atomic number 50. Tin is a silvery metal that characteristically has a faint yellow hue. Tin, like indium, is soft enough to be cut without much force. When a bar of tin is bent, the so-called tin cry can be heard as a result of sliding tin crystals reforming. This trait is shared by indium, cadmium, and frozen mercury. Mm. Pure tin, after solidifying, keeps a mirror-like appearance similar to most metals. However, in most tin alloys, such as pewter... The metal solidifies with a dull gray color. Tin is a post-transition metal in Group 14 of the Periodic Table of Elements. It is obtained chiefly from the mineral cassiterite, which contains Stenic Oxide, SnO2. Tin shows a chemical similarity to both of its neighbors in Group 14, Germanium and Lead, and has two main oxidation states plus 2, and the slightly more stable, plus 4. Tin is the 49th most abundant element on Earth and has, with 10 stable isotopes, the largest number of stable isotopes in the periodic table, thanks to its magic number of protons. Magic! As two main allotropes at room temperature, the stable allotrope is beta-tin, a silvery, white, malleable metal, But at low temperatures, it transforms into the less dense gray alpha tin, which has the diamond cubic structure. Metallic tin does not easily oxidize in air. The first tin alloy used on a large scale was bronze, which we did an episode on. Yes, we did. Made of one-eighth tin and seven-eighth copper from as early as 3000 B.C., after six hundred BC, pure metallic tin was produced. Pewter, which is an alloy of eighty five to ninety percent tin, with the remainder commonly consisting of copper, antimony, and lead, was used for flatware. How would you like lead in your flatware? Yeah. And from the Bronze Age until the twentieth century. In modern times tin is used in many alloys, most notably tin lead soft solders.
2: Mm-hmm
1: which are typically 60% or more tin and in the manufacture of transparent electrically conducting films of indium tin oxide in optoelectronic applications another large application for tin is corrosion resistant tin plating of steel because the low toxicity of inorganic tin tin plated steel is widely used for food packaging as tin cans however some Organotin compounds can be almost as toxic as cyanide. In fact, uh, cyanide and arsenic are kind of leeches from producing tin way back in the day. They found it to be very dangerous until other methods were formed of uh, dealing with tin. It's kind of dense, a lot of what's in there, but part of tin's utility is its outer electrons that get shared. It has four, but it can use two. Mm -hmm. And so tin can form compounds with a lot of things. And so that's how it gets uh, added to this, added to that. It's in the same group as carbon. I like the tin cry that when you cut into tin, it makes this uh, odd noise, odd ringing noise. Mm. And it's that crystalline nature of tin that had it be used in musical instruments, such as the pipe organ. Oh, yes. For a long while, tin was used in pipe organs, and then during a particularly cold, long winter, the uh, pipes were starting to corrode away. Oh, dear. From that shiny metallic beta tin to that gray dull alpha tin Mm. and a thing called the tin pest. Uh, When tin is exposed to... Long temperatures of about minus 13 degrees centigrade, Billy. which I think is what, about 40 below zero somewhere out
0: there. I can find out. You got a converter? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about being American is we're stuck in the imperial and style of which, measuring things.
0: Fahrenheit makes no
1: sense. It yeah. makes no sense at all. Yeah, because zero freezing, 100 boiling, that makes sense. When it's 32 below zero is freezing, it's like, what are you even doing? And I don't even know what Fahrenheit something has to be to boil.
0: Well, there is that John Fenimore Souvenir Program sketch about it.
1: There's also a thing that uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie did about, was it, you double it and add 30?
0: No, that doesn't work. (laughs) So it was what? What was the temperature?
1: Uh, Minus 13 degrees centigrade.
0: Uh, It would be about 6 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Oh, yeah, when exposed to long, cold temperatures like that. And so when exposed to uh, low temperatures like that over time, uh, the beta tin starts to slough off and become dull and gray and decay Mm. into this kind of dull gray material. And so they had that going through a bunch of pipe organs. And it's it's something very difficult to replicate in the lab. Mm. you do have to do it over a long period of time and there's time lapse showing a chunk of tin just sloughing away and becoming dull grey over time. It starts at one end and it's, it's as if it got corrupted, you know like somebody touched it and it just corrupted from one part and then went through the whole thing just sloughing off and becoming this crumbly bit of metallic dust, more or less just flaky material it has a very low melting point, which is why tin's used in a lot of alloys, particularly like bronze, because mm. it made bronze easier to shape, and you could do it quicker. So combining tin with copper to make bronze, so you can make bronze weapons, bronze shields, that sort of thing. And it talked about how you use a tin for sheeting. They've since changed the way they do that to specialized paint and like nonstick surfaces because what would happen is in docks that tin would slough off onto the ground below Mm. and because it's not favorable to things like mussels and whatever else barnacles you know those things that would attach themselves to surfaces underwater it would leach off into the docks and things couldn't grow or live there. So it affects the uh, the ocean floors. So they've since changed the way they uh, they deal with the plating or painting the bottoms of ships. Right. I saw a video where I got a lot of this information on YouTube talking about tin and its properties. Is they um, created some tin powder and like little flakes of of metallic tin things, like like iron filings, but with tin. And burnt them into a Bunsen burner, and they burned this uh, brilliant, bright lavender. What? Yeah, so they burn with this uh, kind of beautiful lavender color.
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> you'd think it would be yellow because of the yellow hue that tin kind of has.
0: Obviously not. Weird. But do they know why it burned lavender?
1: Uh, no, I think it's just the chemical composition. It's like how with fireworks, that you know, if you want something... Red, I guess, copper's supposed to do that, I guess. Mm. When you burn up copper in an explosive, that I guess you'd get a lavender if you used tin in your firework. Huh. Very bright, almost white lavender color. So, uh solder. Tin, because of its low melting point and its high conductivity, is used in electronics. In fact, the old, old motherboards that you'd see, you'd see little... Solder things Mm -hmm. all over the place. You know, they look kind of like little tiny Hershey Kisses. Yep. (laughs) You see this dollop of tin with this little hook of where the liquid had cooled. You know, liquid metal had cooled to form this weird little cap of metal. Yeah, that's uh, widely used for electronics and connecting stuff. Although, I had to take my bass guitar in to get it resoldered because I had issues with one of my volume... Volume knob knobs, and it's pretty fascinating, you know, using this hot tool to melt tin to connect one wire to another. And during the Second World War, I think, it might have even been the First World War. I think it was the First World War because they were using, uh, like, telephone cables, trying to hook those up. They needed a fast way to connect two cables together, and so they had this ingenious thing where they had this tube, and inside this tube had soda and you'd stick in one wire to one, one wire to the other and around it was this thing like, you know, like a match head Yeah. that you'd burn it and it'd burn hot enough to melt the soda inside and it would connect the wires. Mm. <laughs> and so on this video I was watching, they had this and they were testing them mm. to see if they would work. And they even turned it upside down so you could see the soda licking out of it. Really fascinating stuff, you know, to use uh, a tin compound in the heat of battle for such reasons. Yeah. And We can see why tin cans are a thing, because they uh, prevent spoilage. So anybody who does canning to keep your materials safe from any kind of uh, organic infection. Yeah, or well, conti- they
0: don't really do that anymore. It's yeah, all it's, mason jars.
1: It's all mason jars, yeah. Because glass is, you know, as long as the inside of it's clean, you should be fine with glass. But yeah, I mean, we, still lids, get, yeah we still get tin cans from the store. I mean, I'm making our casserole right now, and we got some uh, cream of celery, and they came in tin cans.
0: Yeah, same thing with uh, the ingredients for chili. Kidney beans, ham in a can.
1: The tin can, yeah.
0: And uh, the tomato sauce comes in a can. And the diced tomatoes with green chili comes in a can.
1: Even such that there's a phrase that does exactly what it says on the tin Mm -hmm. that tin cans or tin containers are so common that it's just everyday usage and even looking at Andy Warhol's famous Campbell's Soup painting you know of a tin can Mm -hmm. because it's just that common that it would be a bit of pop art a tin whistle (laughs) early days of whistles when you'd use tin to a whistle for a specific sound yeah and that article said a little bit about pewter which used to be a tin and lead but I think they've they're using other things than lead in yeah, modern pewter they don't use
0: lead so much anymore because it can be corroded by you know things as innocuous as the tomato acid mm-hmm And become poisonous.
1: Yeah, that's why they used to think tomatoes were poisonous, because they'd be eating a tomato on a lead lead plate. plate. And, yeah, they'd be eating lead. And, of course, lead eats away at your brain matter. (laughs) Yep.
0: So there you go, people. That's why some people say, oh, no, tomatoes are poisonous. No, they're not. It was the lead plates they were on. Yeah,
1: it's the acid, because they're a high acid uh, fruit. Yep. Uh, Speaking of pewter... Because of the low melting point of tin, you know, adding it into pewter, you can create really ornate designs in something like a commemorative plate mm. or like little pewter figures where there's like fine pewter. detail in a pewter mm-hmm. figure is because of the low melting point As you're able to get a more soft, malleable kind of style. So in a mold, it works really, really well. I don't think you can do that with some metals where yeah. you get as as nice a design.
0: Yeah, I I like pewter actually.
1: Yep. Of course, we were talking about tinny and tinny sounds. Mm-hmm. Is how uh, there's a money Python sketch about that about people's names and whether they're tinny or wooden. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't like that word. It's too tinny. Too tinny. Nice, nice wood word like Robert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alice, it's too tinny. Having a tin ear. Or is that Tin Pan Alley where um, people would sell their sheet music mm. before phonographs were a thing? Because that used to be music sales. Instead of buying CDs or vinyl records or even wax cylinders, you'd have to purchase the sheet music if you wanted somebody's music. Yes. And be able to play it yourself. hmm So, yeah, way back in the day it used to be the manner in which you got music and even tin pan has got that kind of common quality of what you'd keep a cake in and where the frisbee design came from is the original tin pan yeah that you'd have a, a cake or moon pie or something in this cat is laying across my leg and, and he's so Brandy's tender just liking looking at it
0: he's so tender
1: oh uh, there's several major places where you get a lot of tin uh China, you know, mainland China, Malaysia and Cornwall. I'm sorry, what? Uh, Cornwall, they had been mining tin for a long time and there's it's really dangerous in some places because you could just be walking along across the moors and just suddenly fall into a tin mine. Oh geez. Cuz they uh they mined quite a lot in that area for tin. Pushing tin. Yep, which is a movie about planes, about air traffic controllers, and you know, trying to slot in airplanes into landing and taking off, and how difficult that job is.
0: That is like one of the highest stress jobs on the planet.
1: Yeah, and you recall when uh, Ronald Reagan just fired them all because they wanted to strike, and they had to get in people who are like, I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that didn't go so well.
1: <laughs> yeah. That uh, the stress and the low, I guess they wanted more pay, more rest.
0: Yeah, they don't get enough. They were overworked. they yeah. I, I think still they don't get enough pay or enough rest.
1: Yeah, considering how much air travel there is in the world is to be dependent on you to make sure two blips on your radar don't collide.
0: Yeah, and that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people understand the very complicated ballet that is an airport. Right. And getting planes on and off the ground. It is insanity. And I don't know how any human being can actually do it, but they do.
1: Uh, early toy is the Tin Soldier. Oh, yeah. Which, of course, is like a pewter figure, just made purely of tin. of Melting tin into a, uh, a mold of a soldier and having that to play your little war games. Which is where role-playing games eventually came from.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: Is that they'd have these rules for these uh, these war games with tin soldiers and little tin tanks and whatever and include dice for kind of a risk style of you know, success and failure and that developed into the fighting fantasy books and then tabletop role-playing. Yep. All from just tabletop war games. Tin Omen is a song by Skinny Puppy. Of course. Uh, which is Ogre's kind of wordplay, love of puns. What he's actually talking about is Tiananmen Square mm. and comparing that to Kent State. Oh. So the song's really about Kent State, but it has ties to Tiananmen Square and uh, student protests and that sort of thing. Right. Because, yeah, they're super leftist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Leftist-leaning band. We talked about the tin cry, which is the sound tin makes when, when you cut it does make a specific sound when you cut into a a tin can yes it does i think i've spoken of much of the stuff that's on my sheet is there anything you wanted to say about tin my darling
0: uh i don't really think that much about it on a daily (laughs) basis it's just one of those things that's there
1: oh what do you think would make a good tin gift for a 10th year anniversary pewter figure pewter figure (laughs) tin plate
0: yeah, I I actually like pewter. When I was a kid, we were in Yellowstone and there was a gift shop there that had this little pewter box that had unicorns on it. And I was very into unicorns at the time. Horses really, but unicorns too. And it also had a necklace inside it with a unicorn head. And it had earrings as well that were actually in the top of the box, but I didn't have pierced ears because my mom wouldn't let me get them pierced. So I could never wear the earrings when I was a kid. But I bet you money I still have that little box somewhere. Ooh. I mean, it's like really small. It's like so small, like less than two inches wide, maybe an inch high. So, yeah. And I, I really, I loved that little box. Yeah. I love pewter. There's, I don't know. If there's, there's something about this, uh, the dull gray that just appeals to my dark soul. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because if it was pure tin, it would be uh, shinier and more reflective. But since it's a uh, alloy, it would yes. dull the color a bit.
0: So yeah, I would say like a, a pewter, a pewter uh, small figurine set or something of the like.
1: I'm um, looking at Amazon's tenth year anniversary gifts. They have uh, little sundials. Made of they tin. They do.
0: Oh my goodness! Look at that. Uh,
1: ten everlasting Rose, 100% pure casted tin. That's pretty. Key Keychains with puzzle pieces. <laughs> that connect together. A little tin heart with the number ten behind it. Uh, tin cufflinks, which look like they're they have a dime on either side of them. Mm. <laughs> like the head of a dime on one and the tail of a dime on the other. Nifty. Yeah, it looks like a lot of keychains and jewelry and that sort of thing. Yeah, hearts. Little tin hearts. It's this statue of a very slender couple under an umbrella kissing.
0: Oh, that's so creepy. I love it. Yeah, it is.
1: It's like um, a Tim Burton drawing. It's only 48 bucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very pretty. I like it. It's just
1: my style. Yeah. Tin spoon. Looks like a tin necklace kind of thing. So yeah, um, that's tin in a nutshell. I guess I could get more into the science of it, but then my brain starts to explode. Yeah, we don't want to melt down. And atomic weight unit is one sixth of a carbon.
0: I'm sure that atom. everyone listening is absolutely shouting at their podcatcher of choice saying, What about
1: the atomic weight, Dave? <laughs> yeah, I should probably look back at that just to be sure. Or is it atomic mass? Mass, weight? Not the same thing. Nope. Okay, so the melting point is at 450 degrees Fahrenheit, 232 degrees Celsius. So you could do it with basically a handheld torch. You could melt Mm. lead. You mean tin? Tin. Sorry. I don't know why I said lead. The atomic radius, 140 p.m., whatever p.m. is. Ooh, it has the spectral lines of tin. Very much in the uh, green area, it looks like. It's weird, I can't seem to find where it says atomic weight anymore. Standard atomic weight is 118.710. Jeez. Oh, something else about tin that I found fascinating when reading up on it is that uh, they use molten tin for shaping glass. Ah. As they'll lay the glass sheet on top of the tin because the tin will form this really flat surface. Mm -hmm. And so it gets rid of any imperfections in the glass.
0: Nice. That
1: seems a really odd thing to do, but I guess because of the just the thickness of the lead that it wouldn't mix with the glass. And so the glass would Oh god damn, why do I keep doing that? Tin, tin, tin. Why am I saying lead? I don't know, darling. How how often did I see lead this whole time?
0: Uh, not, it, it only just started happening. Okay, it's probably
1: because I'm trying to read and speak at the same time. So, yeah, uh, molten tin they used for shaping glass and getting rid of any of the impurities in the glass surface so it's nice and flat.
0: Well, you got to wonder, who was the first person that tried that?
1: I don't know. Who was
0: the first person that thought, oh, I know. I'll lay down a sheet of tin, Mm -hmm. molten tin, and put the glass on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Why would anyone even think to try that? But somebody Uh... did.
1: The word tin comes from German, which would include the German word tin. Mm. So you can see hear how that would have uh, evolved into saying tin. In Latin, is "stannum," which originally meant an alloy of silver and lead. Yeah, I think that is our discussion on uh, tin. Is there anything else you would like to say or talk about or whatever? Nope. Nope. Yeah, ten years of podcasting. Any uh, any lessons learned? <laughs>
0: Nope. (laughs) Still just as dumb as the day we started.
1: Yeah, pretty much. This is the show as it's always been. In fact, I think this one right here has been more like our traditional shows than some we've done recently. Mm. This is very much like the early days of how we would approach something. Yes, It's kind of like half-assed research, kind of... By the seat of our pants, <laughs> discussing whatever the topic happened to be.
0: Well, you can't plan out everything. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't seem organic.
1: Uh, yeah, we, we generally don't do science things. We're usually like kind of the occulty woo stuff we do more often.
0: Ooh, assassins. So I'm sorry. Every once in a
1: while, when we get into something scientific, it's like pretty funny. Yeah. Which is weird because I um, started trying to be pre med in my college days. And then realized, oh, I suck at math. <laughs> and then I went to English and philosophy. <laughs> so, but still I have a pretty decent science background. Just some of the language escapes me.
0: Well, the thing is about math is that I think it has to do with how you're taught it. Yep. More than anything else.
1: Well, even science-wise, I'm more biology than physics. Mm. And listening to something like the Infinite Monkey Cage podcast, which is a science podcast, there's a world of difference between biologists and physicists. Yeah, Biologists have a bit more free-flowing, you know, things are changing always, (laughs) and, you know, this idea that life is in itself this thing that you can't specifically break down into just... Atoms and mathematics. It doesn't work that way. Life is messy. Mm -hmm. And so if you're studying life, you're studying something that is in itself messy. Yep. As opposed to something like physics, which is mathematical in its precision.
0: Yeah, but I also feel like there's a lot of messy in physics that uh, we as the human race just can't accept yet.
1: Yeah, like uh, dark matter Mm -hmm. is that the measurement of dark matter may be way off because it suggests there's more than could possibly fit in our universe. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. That it's that is heavier than it seems like it would be. So dark matter, dark energy, it's all weird.
0: For us to think that we know and understand this universe is complete and total hubris. Yeah. Because we are one planet in an infinite number of planets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh...
0: Who knows what other life is out there. And all we have is our own narrow vision of what we can see. And judging an entire universe by those standards is absolutely (laughs) ridiculous.
1: Well, also where um, mathematics is an invention of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so we're perceiving the world through our own invention. Yeah. Which I think scientists would look down upon that concept that mathematics is in itself something objective. It's like, no, maybe it's just the way we measure the universe through our own limitations.
0: Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. They they want to believe that, uni- that uh, mathematics is universal. Yeah. But I disagree. I think that the concept that is mathematical, mathematics, I should say, is narrow. Oh. I think that there is much more to it than that. And I think that they basically scientists look for similarities to what they already know as far as mathematics. It's mm. like, oh, well, this is this you can work out into a mathematical formula. Well, of course you can. You invented <laughs> mathematics, didn't you? But mm. I'm not saying, uh, I, it sounds like I'm trashing science, and I am not. I am not. What I am saying is that what we understand is a drop of, it's, it's a grain of sand mm. on a, a giant beach compared to what we don't
1: know. And I think that's the exciting thing about science is that you are aware of what you don't know. Yeah. And which, in opposition to some religion where anything we don't know is God's will and will be revealed to us in time. It's like, well.
0: Then what's cancer?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, at least with science, it's asking questions. And when it comes up against, oh, we were wrong all along, let's change that. Mm-hmm. It's open to that sometimes. yeah. Some scientists are more resistant to change than others. But yeah. yeah, that's the great thing about science and the scientific method is it's not written in stone. But I think there's a reliance thinking that mathematics is universal. It's subjective when it's not?
0: You can't say it's universal because we haven't come in contact (laughs) with anything else in the universe that is sentient.
1: Well, even so, there's other ways of looking at mathematics than the the decimal way most people do. There's like base 6 and all these other ways that even an alien race might have a different way of looking at, at mathematics. And the whole base 10 way of us looking at things could be biological because we have Ten fingers. Mm -hmm. And so counting on our hands might be the whole basis of our mathematical understanding. Yeah. If we had more or less fingers, maybe our mathematics would be completely different.
0: Quite possibly.
1: So just weird things to think of, but I do respect science. I do too. I'm not very good at it.
0: (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm better at it than I was at math. But yeah, my problem with math was that I had terrible teachers, and it yeah. wasn't until I was a I was in eleventh grade mm-hmm. that I had a teacher who knew how to teach geometry mm-hmm. that didn't just read from a book.
1: Yeah, geometry is the best because you can apply it; you can see yes. it happening.
0: But anyway, uh, enough
1: about that. So yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I did really good on my SATs regarding science through my education. It was usually my best thing.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So it's weird that I ended up with English and American literature and uh, a minor in philosophy as my major. But yeah, I took a lot of science classes. Microbiology. People failed the test so bad that they had to take it again, but I did okay, so I got that day off from class. Yay you! (laughs) It's like, are you guys even listening? It's like, oh, I guess we can leave, so nobody was paying attention. Thermal death time was one of the coolest things. I want that to be a band name. Thermal death time is the temperature and the, uh, I guess, the duration or time required to kill off a microorganism. Wow. So, thermal death time. And so, something would have a measurement in thermal death time for at what temperature and for how long to kill this thing, this bacteria.
0: Coming to a city near you. Thermal the world death time. World tour, tour <laughs> of thermal death time. With opening band Mango Migraine. Because <laughs> that's my punk band
1: name. Ah. Ocular strife. Oh, wait. One more thing about tin. That I forgot to talk about. Is uh, tin salts being used in... Because it talked about it in a weird way. The um, ocular electronic or opt- to the elect Something... Something Mm -hmm. optics, electronic thing in the thing. I can go back and read it, I guess. Uh, What word did it use? Um, Optoelectronic. I was close. Optoelectronic applications. Those are screens like your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod Touch, your flat screen televisions. Especially things that you can touch and will recognize your touch because Mm. they're sending electronical impulses into the phone telling you what it's doing. It's the tin salts that allow it to do that. Oh. There's tin salts worked into the glass screen that allows that touch response. So tin is useful in modern technology. Yeah, it is. And something that a lot of us obsess about is our phones and our screens. And so your ability to swipe right or swipe left is all because of tin. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the final thing I wanted to say on 10, and I'm glad I got there eventually. Yes. So, what do you think? Shoutouts?
0: Shoutouts. Hey! Hey!
1: Our shoutout is to one and the same guy. It's Mr. Tom Elliott.
0: Our lord and master.
1: He is the host of the Twilight Zone podcast. Very popular. And I see that the Strange and Deadly show is back up and running again, which is encouraging.
0: Yes. Tom has been a friend for a decade.
1: Y- yeah a now.
0: so because basically all of that perfect storm stuff started happening it started like in 2008 uh-huh. and then in 2009 when we started podcasting so yeah we uh yeah we've known tom a long time and he is one of the finest humans on the planet
1: exactly very lovable
0: and if you haven't listened to the twilight zone podcast what the hell is wrong with you because yep. it's amazing.
1: Yeah, he's from Liverpool, so has that great accent that reminds you of the Beatles.
0: Could <laughs> listen to him talk all day long,
1: <laughs> and his deep bass voice too. Yep. So yeah, and well researched, really great personal opinions regarding the Twilight Zone, both uh, classic uh, the eighties and now concurrent. Mm.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's just a marvelous person, and he's a good friend, and uh, you know just. Thanks, Tom, yeah, for
1: taking us in through the kindness of his own heart and our own friendship. That he uh, has us on his uh, his website, his his hosting site,
0: his network, his as network, it
1: were. which we're really not even on anymore because we have our own page.
0: Yeah, but it's still all yeah, part of it's the all, same hosting. Yeah, it
1: so. is, along with uh, the nasty pasty, which has just finished. So that show's done and dusted, but. Very good if you want to hear about uh, the video nasties and the movies that just escaped being uh, being litigated against, I guess. Yeah. And then Trilogy of Terror, where you look at uh, three horror movies from the same director. The Outer Limits Podcast mm-hmm. with Victor Gamboa.
0: Yep. It's uh, it's an interesting collective mm-hmm. of things.
1: Yeah. Strange and Deadly and uh, Lost in the Omniverse.
0: I'm sorry, I was just thinking about pasties. Yeah. Um, Pasties are delicious, and there is nowhere around here we can get them. The only reason that I know what a pasty is is because many moons ago, we're talking like close to 20 years ago, Uh when I was working in the Newgate Mall, which is local for us, uh, there was a place that went into the food court that sold pasties, and... They were brilliant. Unfortunately, the store didn't last, Mm. and I was very sad about that because I would go get a pasty for lunch every time I was working because they were (laughs) so good.
1: Cornish pasties.
0: Oh, so good. You could get at the silver mine. I really want a pasty now.
1: I don't know where you'd go to get one. That's
0: the thing. There's nowhere to get one. I'm in the middle of Utah. Why would there be pasties anywhere near me?
1: Well, Ogden's getting to the point where you can find just about anything here.
0: Except pasties. Yeah,
1: but probably not pasties unless there's some weird shop somewhere that we have not yet encountered.
0: Yeah, but the problem is is if you look up pasties, you get a totally different uh, search result. Oh, pasties? Because of pasties. Yeah. and Because they're spelled the same way.
1: I guess if you put Cornish in front of it, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, maybe that's an idea.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um I think that's all. Thanks for listening. I've been uh, tracking our stats, and we've had a lot of reach recently. I'm not sure why and what I'm doing different to reach a wider audience, but... That's Retweeting. good to know.
0: Retweeting!
1: Just social media, I guess. I suppose so. Especially when we're on a hiatus over the computer issues, so the next episode will come very quickly, a week after this one, more than mm-hmm. likely. Yep, pretty much. Cause it should be really easy to uh, compile our report from FanX and put that together,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. it'll just be me converting stuff from the phone to uh, to Audacity. So, Yeah, thanks for listening, for... Either four or ten years now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Take your pick. Uh, anything else? Nope. All right. Oh, bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with David and Brandy Jacola. Find other episodes on darkcornerpodcast.com. And special thanks go out to Tom Elliott for kindly hosting. Our podcast. The intro song is Say by Dark Souls Day from the album X Lives. The outro is Silence by Defect86 from the album Ultramarin. The dark track was offered as a promotional item or was submitted by the artist or artist's representative, and no infringement of copyright is intended. If you like our show, or perhaps don't but know someone who might, please recommend us to your friends. You can also help out the podcast by rating and reviewing us on your pod-catching device of choice. Wish to contact us with feedback or perhaps even a suggestion for the point? Email us at thedarkcornerpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at darkcornercast. You can also like us on Facebook. The Dark Corner Podcast has both a group and A fan page you can also listen to brandy on live from the edge the star trek discovery podcast on trek fm if you're an ogden on a saturday night come see me dj and run tech at the ogden comedy loft doors open at eight until next time